Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Hey, some of you, you're excited about that, but generally it gets a mixed reaction, doesn't it? I think there was only two or three people that were excited about that. Some of you, you are. You're excited. You can't wait to get there. You've, you've bought the presents and they're, they're already wrapped and you're, you're counting down the days, the, the hours, the, the minutes until it's finally here. Others of you, and this is where I'm at, you're not so sure. And you're thinking, when did this happen? Last time I looked, it was summer, and I was on a beach, and I was enjoying myself. And now there's Christmas lights, and there's Christmas jingles, and I've got the feeling that I'm going to be spending some money. (laughs) So we're setting the scene. We're setting the scene for Christmas. And we're going to go into a short series called Hark the Herald. Hark the Herald. This Sunday, I'm speaking on glory to God in the highest. On Tuesday night with Encounter, Jane is speaking on peace on earth. Encourage you to be there Tuesday night at Encounter. And then next Sunday, Janet is speaking on goodwill to all men. Put together, it's the angel's song of praise to the shepherds, heralding the the birth of Jesus. And right at the start, I want to use a phrase that we've used before. The phrase comes from Bill Hybels of Willow Creek fame. The phrase is, walk across a room. Walk across a room. We're going to set the scene for Christmas. And it's with this phrase, walk across a room, that we're going to read and unwrap the message. Because God walked. God walked. He he walked across space and time. He walked across a, a universe to connect with humanity. And he made it possible for us to relate to him. To hear him, to see him, and to walk with him. We join the story. We join the story out in the, out in the fields. It's dark. The sheep are, are gathered together. The shepherds probably relaxing, gazing at the stars, talking, eating together. Doing whatever shepherds do after a hard day leading sheep through the pasture. In Luke 2, verses 8 to 14, it says... And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a a manger. And if that didn't cause them to choke on their hot chocolate, suddenly, and I added that in myself, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Can you imagine being there? One minute darkness, the next The heavenly host filling the sky with a a blinding light, all singing, all praising God. You'd be worried that you'd you'd gone out of your mind. And maybe we get too familiar with this. One of those words that's lost its definition. I mean, if someone asked you, what does glory mean? We'd be struggling, wouldn't we? We'd we'd say, well, glory, glory is like, it's like, it's like glory. It's like massive. It's impressive. It's glorious. And then we'd, we'd run out without having made a, a connection, without having come up with a, an image that we can all relate to. 
And really that's what I want to do here. I want to take that, that shout of praise, glory to God in the highest and run the word glory through the Bible and find out what it means. To do this we're going to go back to the beginning. Back to the book of Genesis, to the story of creation where the glory of God was in a garden. The garden of Eden where God walked and and he, and he talked and, and, he, and he created. In Genesis 1 verse 27 it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. If we connect that verse with Psalm 8 verse 5, it, it says, You made him a, a little lower than the heavenly beings and, and crowned him with glory and honor. God is glorious. It is who he is. And both these scriptures speak about God making us in his image and his glory. God's glory being transferred to us. We are, humanity is, his crowning work in creation. And maybe if you've had the experience of looking at a a newborn baby, you know what I mean. To hold new life in your hands and to wonder at the shape and the the form, at the intricacy and at the the beauty of it all. This is God's work. A newborn baby. It is his creation and you're you're wowed into silence. What a moment. It, It takes your breath away. Then, as the story of God continues through Genesis, it all gets messed up. His creation gets Damage. Humanity does its own thing. We start playing by our own rules. The Bible calls it sin. And the crown of glory. The crown of glory that was put on our heads. The crown of glory becomes crooked. Gets all messed up. But we can still see God's glory beyond that. In Psalm 19 verse 1 it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. See God's glory. We can look up at the expanse of the sky. The expanse of space. But you need to be away from the cities. Away from the cities. Away from man's creations. Away from his junk light. You need to be back in the garden. Back in God's created world where the night is dark and the, the sky is clear. And suddenly it's, it's alive with, with stars, with planets, with, with galaxies and the millions of tiny diamonds sparkling, the colours spilling out. It is incredible. This is God's work, the expanse of space. It is his creation. This is God's business card left for us to take our breath away, wowed into silence. And if you're anything like me, looking up, looking up at the stars, it leaves you feeling insignificant. Like God is very big and I am very small. And that's not a, a bad thought to have. Gives you a sense of humility and, and reverence. Looking down at a newborn baby, looking up at the expanse of space, we can connect with that. Those are images that we can relate to. That is God's glory seen through his creation. And then, through the Bible, God's glory is expanded on. It is revealed. It is demonstrated. And as we continue with this, I want to cover 
three aspects, three sides to God's glory. First aspect, the first side of God's glory is his weight, God's weight. The most common word for glory of God in the Old Testament, the most common word comes from a root that means to be heavy, to be heavy. Back then a a man's weight was his glory and that's not an excuse to eat more turkey over Christmas. A man's glory, a man's glory isn't just his physical weight but more the weight of riches, the amount he owned. And weight of power and, and weight of position, the authority that he held. A man's glory was in his possessions, in his honor, in his reputation. I think we still get a a sense of that now. When some important person walks into a room, you think, wow, wow, they're they're heavy. And you're careful and you're respectful about what you say. Just to bring some life to this. Is anyone here, anyone here into powerlifting? Powerlifting, you know, with the weights. Anyone here into that? Used to be into it. Oh, question, question. What was the most that you lifted then? Oh, 220. That's impressive, isn't it? Anyone beat that? Anyone beat 220? Seems like there's no competition in the room for you. 220, that gets it. It makes me feel quite wimpy, and you'll, you'll understand why soon. Powerlifting. See, I'm not, I'm not into powerlifting. I'm not exactly bursting out of my shirt here. Steady. <laughs> going back, going back a number of years though, going back a number of years, I did work at Wicks Building Supplies and you'd be out there and you'd be on the, you'd be on the shop floor and you'd get a call and someone would be calling you over to the bags of cement. It has changed now but cement was sold in 50 kilogram bags so you could lift four of those at least, yeah. But for me that was heavy, it was heavy. And constantly lifting bags of cement, throwing them into cars meant that physically I became stronger. In Isaiah 9, and this is connected, in Isaiah 9 verse 6 it says, For to us a a child is born, to us a, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When the angels heralded the the birth of Jesus, this was who they were praising. And Jesus, he carried, he carried God's glory. The baby born in Bethlehem would grow up, he would work in his father's carpenter's shop. Jesus would have strong shoulders. The weight was on him. He would carry and establish the, the kingdom of God here on earth. And later in life at 33, in his prime, he would carry a cross on those shoulders. Jesus was heavy. He was heavy. He carried God's glory. And we as his followers also have to carry weight. I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of a year, when I get to the end of the year, I I look back and I, I think about the experiences that I've had. I think about the, the things that I've learnt. And one of the questions that I ask myself is this. Am I carrying more weight? Am I carrying more responsibility? That doesn't mean being busier or more stressed out. 
It means being closer to God, being more like Jesus. It means growing bigger spiritually. It means God's glory resting, God's weight resting on me more heavily. And this comes from prayer, talking and listening to God. And and it comes from worshipping God, whether we feel like it or not. And it, it comes from reading his word and taking it in. It comes from being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes from exercising our faith, moving, speaking, ministering into people's lives. And through this, through this we're transformed into the, the likeness of Jesus. We come to carry. We come to carry the weight of God's glory in our lives. If you look back over your year, and differently you think, I'm not sure I'm carrying more weight more of God's glory in my life, then don't give up. Look forward. God's got so much more for all of us. We can come to carry more of God's glory, more weight next year. The second aspect, the second side of of God's glory is his presence, his presence. In the Old Testament, in in the book of Exodus, God's people, they are on the move. They wander around the wilderness for, for 40 years. And to meet with God during this time, they construct the, the tabernacle, a, a large tent. The Bible then speaks of God's glory coming down in a cloud and covering the, the tent of meeting. This cloud was called by the Jews the Shekinah, a non-biblical term from a Hebrew word meaning to dwell, to dwell. Now we're all spiritual, we're all spiritual, we all have a a sense of something more than we can see and that we can touch and I'm sure many of you have had that experience where through worship you felt like the Shekinah, the cloud of God's presence has come down. Maybe you felt the hairs on the back of your neck rise and you don't know whether to sing or to to bow down or or to pray and what a moment that is, it takes you breath away and for me for me I don't want to leave it here in church I have a a desire I have a a prayer that the presence of God will go with me it will go with us now sometime soon I'm going to feel the urge or I'm going to get told and I will know that it's time to to go in the loft and to to get the Christmas decorations out the tree will go up and the 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 tinsel will come out and the lights will go on and it will look the part, but I want more than that. And I think that this Christmas, this Christmas and throughout the year, we should pray for our homes, a space that we dwell in. We should pray that God's glory would come down on us and it would influence our family life. And it would influence the way we relate and talk in our homes. And it would influence the people that spend time with us. And they would sense. They would sense that God dwells there. That it is his glory, his presence in our homes. Bringing his love, his compassion, his openness and generosity into our lives. The third aspect. The third side of God's glory is his light. His light. Just the other night, we were settling our two children down. The light was on, and Jay, my one-year-old, picked up this tacky neon light toy you you can spin around. It was Emily's toy. It was her toy, and that 
normally causes a problem, but not this time. I turned it on for him and it was fine. He spun it around. And then Emily, she had this idea. She went over to the main light switch and she turned it off. And suddenly, in the dark, the neon lights shone out and Jay loved it. His, his face came alive and Emily knew. She knew like every child knows that lights shine brighter in the darkness. There is another incident Another incident in the Old Testament, again in the the book of Exodus, where Moses, the the leader of God's people, has been alone up on Mount Sinai, experiencing the the glory of God. After 40 days and, and 40 nights, Moses came down. And the Bible says that his face was radiant, that it, it shone. As Christians, we have the, the Holy Spirit inside of us. And I believe that as we spend time with God, he increasingly shines out of us. Our faces come alive with it. A smile, a, a sympathy, a warmth, a, an understanding, an acceptance. It's all communicated through our faces. And people can see that. I even think they are attracted to that. And as we grow in our faith and go into ever darker places, and as we meet people that are totally lost, the brighter the light of God shines out of us. And that's the power of it. That's the power of the the Spirit of God. That's His glory. It shines brightest in the darkest places. Those are the the three parts to the, the glory of God. His weight, His presence, and His light. And now with the angel's song of praise still ringing in the in the background we're going to move to look at Jesus and there are so many incredible scriptures about Jesus and the the glory of God and one of the most powerful of these comes at the start of Colossians and I'm wondering with this I'm wondering if God doesn't need my words he doesn't need my explanations and, and stories we only need to hear his words as it was first captured as it was written down in the Bible. And then, reading them slowly, we can allow the the Holy Spirit to impress them, to to bring revelation to them, to to lay them on our own hearts. So I'm going to do this differently. We're going to pause, and I'm going to pray that God, through His Spirit, would speak to us individually as I read these words through as they were written. comes in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. Let me pray. God, I I pray that right now as we read your words, as it was first captured, Lord, that you'd bring revelation to each of us. Lord, we'd just get something of who you are, something new, something that we've not thought before, a, a God thought right now. And with that revelation, we'd experience more of you in our lives. Lord, speak through your words right now. Amen. In Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, it says, He, that is Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and 
invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Incredible words. Incredible words. In Jesus, we have the embodiment of God's glory. We have God in human form. No wonder heaven couldn't contain the celebration. No wonder the angels filled the sky. This was the single most important event in history. God walking across space and time. God walking across a universe to connect with humanity. If we want to see God's glory, we look at Jesus. The image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation, supreme in everything. God was pleased. To have all his fullness, all his weight, all his radiance, all his glory dwell in Jesus. And isn't that God? Isn't that God not following convention again? Coming into the world not as a a warrior, not as a a king, but as a baby crying and helpless and, and vulnerable. What on earth was God thinking there? Seems almost negligent, naive, but awesome at the same time. And now... We can see God. We can know God. In Jesus, we have the the weight of glory. We have the dwelling. We have the, the presence of God. We have the light. We have the radiance of God. Who is God? Look at Jesus. What does God say? Listen to Jesus. What does God do? Watch Jesus. Does God care? Jesus did. Does God cry? Jesus did. Does God suffer? Jesus did. Does God love me? Jesus does. And our response to that, our response, that's our decision. And my response was to give my life to Jesus. And every time, every day, when I look at Jesus, I give my life again. And through giving ourselves to him, we become carriers of God's glory. The Apostle Paul, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Bill Hybels, he says, Christians are to be good news before they share good news. When we make an appearance in rooms, in offices, in classrooms and playgrounds and factory floors and shopping malls, the heavenly host isn't going to leap out with a hallelujah chorus. They don't for me, anyway. But we are God's ambassadors, his heralds, his voice, the good news that people see and hear. We are all carriers of God's glory, carrying his weight, carrying his presence, carrying his light. We are all 
like the host of angels, walking, talking, not flying, heaven reaching earth representatives. Bill Hybels. He used the phrase, walk across a room. To talk about how we share the, the good news of Jesus. And I was thinking, coming into Christmas, how many rooms am, am I going to be standing in? How many opportunities am I going to have, maybe with work colleagues, maybe with friends or, or family, to be, to show, to speak something of God's glory into their lives? We can all walk across a room, have a, a conversation. It doesn't have to be about Jesus. That's not often the, the best starter. But it does give God the opportunity to use us. And our responsibility, our responsibility, I think, is to get that far. To walk across a room. And then you, you never know what God can do. We need to be full of his spirit. We need to be relational. We need to be genuine and open. And we need to listen to the person that we're talking to. God walked a long way to connect with us. We can take a, a short walk for a conversation. We're about finished now. But as we finish and in response to, to this, there's a, a great old hymn that I want us to sing. Some of you are going to know where I'm going with this. This great hymn was written in 1875, one of 8,000 hymns that she wrote. And the remarkable thing is, she was blind since infancy. But despite that, despite the, the personal challenges that she faced, the glory of God shined through her life. Shined through her hymns, shined through her devotion. To God be the glory. Written by Fanny Crosby. It tells it like it is. And for some of you, it's easy. You've sung it through it enough times. But sometimes with these great old hymns, we can't just sing them. We've got to teach into them first. So I'm going to read it through with some background. Read it through, not sing it. Read it through with some background. It says, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and a atonement for sin and opened the, the life gates that all may go in. In other words, because of love, God gave Jesus. And because of love, Jesus gave his life for us. He swapped places with us and atoned or, or made things right with God for us. And in that moment on the cross, life, eternal life was made available for everyone. And then comes the refrain. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus, the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. The only way, the only way to God is through believing in his Son, Jesus Christ. And all glory, all glory goes to him. Oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of blood. Redemption here is about paying back. And Jesus paid through his blood. He paid the price for all the wrong things that we have done. Oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of blood to every believer, the 
promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. The vilest offender, we don't often use that phrase. Really it means no one. No one is too far gone for God to meet them here and now. And in that moment on accepting Jesus, they are set free. All the wrong things that they've done, their sins are wiped away. They can start over with God. Great things he has taught us. Great things he has done. And greater rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. In other words, nothing on earth, nothing on earth comes close to when we get to heaven, when we get to see Jesus face to face. It's going to be incredible. And we will know, we will experience God's glory for all eternity. It will permanently light our lives. So I'm going to pray now and then we're going to sing that great old hymn.